Welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life Podcast. I'm Russell. I'm Mike. Mike, we have lots of stuff to talk about. Hell yeah, we do. As a matter of fact, I have a feeling what's going to happen with this podcast is we're going to break this into a part one and a part two. We've got so much to cover that the first half, we're going to cover stuff that we've recently done. We've got some exciting news about things that are coming up, which I think everyone's going to be interested in. Uh, And then we have the lust experience. Lust. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we still have oh, we geez. still have to work on the yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll okay, we'll talk about that later. Okay, so do you want to start with uh mail? Yes. So I know that you were happy with this. This has probably been my favorite box of dread that I've ever gotten. Really? Yeah. Cuz I mean they've had some cool ones. Like it, everything was just super fun in it. Yeah. And what was the theme? So zombies, the walking dead. Yes. And first of all, I, uh, I'm, I'm literally holding it in my hand. This thing. Uh, Mike, stop it. <laughs> Moving on. I don't want to see what you're holding. Because it's gross and there's something sticking in its eye. Uh, don't make me edit this. <laughs> nope. Keep that in. So okay. Uh, the, uh, first and foremost, when you open the box of Dreadbox, there's there's a Dorbs figure. The, the box of Dreadbox. Yeah, the box of Dreadbox. So uh, the, <laughs> there's a Dorbs figure, and this is uh, it's a Walking Dead zombie figure. How would how would you describe it, Mike? I think it's the RV Walker. It's the one with the screwdriver in his eye. It is so cool. It's awesome. You know, because Dorb's adorable, whatever, and <laughs> there's a screwdriver in his eye. But he's still so cute. <laughs> he's very cute. Uh, and also, what else have we got, Mike? We got a blow-up zombie. Which is awesome. It's a whack zombie which is really fun. Because you can't keep a good zombie down. <laughs> I haven't blown mine up yet. Oh. No, I, I don't know how big it is. Oh, my God, Russell. You're just softballing me, man. Sorry. Just lobbing those over. And uh, and the other thing that we got is uh, a Walking Dead vinyl figure. And it's one of the mystery mini series. Yeah, it's a blind box. So we'll open yours right now. Uh, oh, okay. There you go. Damn it. Last time we did Box of Dread, we had to wait on me, didn't we? Yep. Okay, so my little mystery minifigure. Come on. I know it's new technology, opening a box and all, so. Damn. (laughs) There's that head shaking sound. It's a very secure box. It comes in a little body bag. (laughs) Oh, nice. You got Rick. Mm Mm-hmm. That's very cool. And he's pretty rare. that's very cool. He's uh, one out of 24. Nice. That's a little Rick figure carrying a gun. That's very cool. And then also we have uh, several Cthulhu-style stickers. uh, And we have some plastic spiders that when you put them on their hind legs, they look like they are ready to attack. And if you tilt them forward onto their front legs, they look like they're stumbling over drunk. Oh, my God. They do. (laughs) Have you seen a drunk spider before? No, but I have seen a spider on drugs because you can find that on the Internet. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
You've never searched for spiders on drugs on the internet? <laughs> no, but I it's, it's guess a thing. I will now. It's a thing. All right. Definitely a nice box of dread. Yeah, I I love this one. Like yeah, like I said, this one was my favorite. I mean, I love zombies and having cool Walking Dead stuff and blind boxes and just like the fun, the whack a zombie is just a cool thing that, you know, you don't really think about or ever look for. So it's cool that they include it. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to take mine into the office. So for more information on Box of Dread, you can find them on the web at boxofdread.com, on Facebook, Box of Dread, and on Instagram and Twitter, Box of Dread. One of the things we've done recently, it was a one-night event called the Fool's Festival, and that was held at the Yost Theater in Santa Ana. And did you know that the Yost Theater is haunted? Um, You'd mentioned that to me the night we were there, and no, I did not know that. Yeah, it is. It was on Ghost Adventures, so you know it's really haunted. Ah, okay. That was sarcasm, but it is haunted, though. So um, you may recall on an earlier podcast when we uh, we were at Spook Show, we did a brief interview about uh, Fool's Fest. Mike, did this live up to expectations for you? Yeah, it lived up to exactly what they made it out to be. Yeah, I, I think it was it was mostly a success for me. Yeah, and, and same here. It, it was It was such a fun night. Yes, it was a fun night. And basically, for anyone who missed the Fool's Fest, uh, hopefully this will become a yearly event. Uh, It was a collection of acts, just literally one after another for several hours uh, at the Yost Theater on stage. There was everything ranging from circus freak sideshow style acts. Um, They had burlesque troops uh, performing intermittently. Um, there was some comic stuff going on and, uh, most of the comic acts I noticed were very physical comedy. Yeah. I think, which they, I think the, which fit really well because that's a broader style of comedy rather than someone doing a stand-up routine, which I don't think would have fit this venue very well or this event very well. So I think what they did was they, they gathered a real interesting array of acts. Um, the venue itself, um, for the most part, it had a party vibe to it. There was an upstairs area with a DJ playing, okay, this is going to make me sound old and grumpy, but the <laughs> DJ upstairs, oh my God, the music was far too loud. Did you shake your fist at him? So No, I didn't like, shake my fist. turn this racket down. <laughs> no, no, but it, but it was so loud that it was painful that I, I, I went in there to order a drink. Uh, several of us, there was a bar in that area, and literally I had to leave because I, it was, my ears were actually hurting. And, you know, I always feel for bartenders in that situation because literally the bartender couldn't hear us ordering. He, he literally, we were screaming at him at the top of our lungs. So I think that's an indication that your music might be a little bit loud. Th- that room I never went back to. Right below that room, they had a, a series of psychics. You could book a time. I think they were doing 15-minute segments. There was an additional charge to see the psychic, but they had people reading cards. They had people um, doing channeling stuff. Uh, and you could schedule some time with that. I saw people doing that all night long. Um, there was another area where you could just lounge in the upstairs balcony area. So the venue was very open to the sort of nightclub party vibe, which I think actually succeeded. Um, overall, though, I noticed that the crowd thinned fairly quickly. Because by the time they had a big um, uh, stage presence uh, where they brought out a main character, the queen of the night. Literally a queen character, the queen of the Fool's Fest. Um, at midnight, and I noticed by that time the crowd had actually thinned pretty heavily, I think, as compared to what it was like a couple of hours before. So I think people got the vibe and then moved on. 
So I, that's why I said earlier that I think it was mostly a success. Now, the other thing is I noticed uh, there were some technical glitches, Mike. Uh, some of the audio uh, was way, way overblown and distorted. And, and um, so that was kind of almost like distracting from some of the acts at times because like during one of the comedy acts, literally they wouldn't turn the volume down. And so the guy was completely blasting everyone in the audience out. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the acts, but let's talk about the actual performing uh, and the performers, because uh, like you mentioned, there was some sideshow stuff. There was some burlesque stuff and um, like the psychics and whatnot. It was really cool to see some people do their full show because there were performers such as uh, like Dangerous D and Aussie Blood that, you know, we've seen at conventions, but we've only seen smaller tidbits of their acts. Uh, like even at Spook Show, we saw we saw them perform just like, you know, one or two things that they do. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the next guy comes on. So with them specifically, it was cool because they we saw they performed twice that we saw and each time was a different show. And and man, the the one thing that sticks out is, you know, you you kind of know that everything that they do is real and Mm -hmm. it it can be painful and everything, but I've never seen actual blood on things. Uh, So when Aussie blood did the, the blockhead routine and pulled the nail out and there was blood, it was like, holy crap. Like this is like, you know, it's real already, but it's like seeing that blood makes it like, wow, this is wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. The interesting thing about that is I've never seen, an extreme version of the human blockhead routine. Yeah. And he does a really intense extreme version of it. That was very cool to see. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think the variety of performers, uh, uh, that was the successful part for me. Mm -hmm. The fact that you did get to see really, really crazy stuff. And it was in a very, very constant rotation where each act got a chunk of time. And then they very quickly moved on to something different. And the burlesque teams that were um, performing, they offered a really different vibe when they came on stage. So, you know, it was the lighthearted and sexy and, and at times almost campy performance from them. And I mean that as a, as a good thing, not a bad thing. It lessened the intensity of the sideshow stuff. So in a really good manner. Well, and the, the cool thing about that one is I didn't realize, I knew there was burlesque, but I didn't look into who was performing. Right. So when I got there and they came on stage, it was like, oh my God, it's the doll face dames. And there's our favorite handler dancing. So it was good <laughs> to see her um, and not have to worry about looking over our shoulders or being kidnapped. I don't know about you, but there was something just, I couldn't put my finger on it about the night. And I don't know if it was because it was sideshow act after sideshow act, but something felt just weird to me. I think part of it actually might have been the lighting. Like it seemed very lit up in there. I agree. The lighting was too bright. Yeah. It, and it, it sounds like such a trivial detail. But, but it takes away from the environment. Like it takes away from it being a show, if that makes sense. Wow. You know what? I think you just hit it. It's funny. I didn't realize it until that moment. But because uh, I made a comment to you at one point that, wow, it's awfully bright in here. Yeah. Uh, and so it, you're, um, it's a theater and there's a, there's a stage, but there's not traditional theatrical seating. The whole floor was open. And then along the sides of the venue, there were tables of some vendors, uh, selling wares. There was some really cool art that was, uh, available. There were some lounge areas that people had reserved for the night. 
Um, but you're right. That area was as bright as the stage at times. Right. And I think that's what it was. I think, I think it was overlit and it did alter the vibe a bit, but I think you're, you're absolutely right in the fact that there is value here in the fact that such a wide variety of acts. Yeah. It, it puts the spotlight on things that are usually not in the spotlight. And where else do you see these acts perform? You see them at places like Spook Show. Mm -hmm. This was a really, really good venue, and they're having a chance to be highlighted here. So, yeah, Fool's Fest for the most part, uh, like I said, I agree with you, and there was something off feeling, and and that's that's not necessarily a, uh, a diss of any kind. It's just like it was just I was aware of it. You seem to have felt it as well, but it was an interesting night. One thing that was really cool that we didn't mention yet is they had characters roaming around. Yes, they did. And I think there's so much potential for these people. Um, I, I, you know, I guess we've been to so much immersive theater lately that I think anytime we go somewhere now that has char like characters roaming around, we expect to get like taken or have like a one-on-one <laughs> -on -one scene or something like that. And that didn't happen. And that's fine. This was more for atmosphere. Yeah. But I think that could take this to the next level. Like if those characters were like, come with me. And even if it was like a minute or two minute thing, they brought them to this weird corner and was like, I'm so-and-so I was part of the Queens, you know, brigade. And this is how I ended up here. Are you having fun? Okay. Thank you. We'll take I'll take you back now. You know, just little interactions like that instead of, you know, walking by you and just giving you a weird look like, Hey, I'm here. Well, that, that's a very interesting point. And, and he, I, I think also that was one of the things that didn't work for me was at the end of the evening, they brought up this queen episode and you find out that all of this was in honor of the queen, even though it's called the fool's fest. There's like, well, the queen came out and said, well, obviously if there's a festival, it's in my honor. And she demanded that certain performers perform for her. A couple of acts performed very specific tricks to impress her. And she awarded the, you know, like the, uh, the honor of the best fool of the night. I don't remember what it, the title was. Dangerous D got the crown. Yes. So um, you're right. Maybe those characters are part of her court. You know, that's a possibility. And I, and I do want to point to one thing that we haven't mentioned and we really should. The makeup job and the costuming on those characters. Oh, definitely. A highlight of the evening. And, um, you know, we, near the end of the evening, we were sitting near a woman who had... I don't even know how to describe it. It was as if her face had been made from lace. Mm -hmm. It but, was beautiful. But I believe she was just a fan. Really? Yeah. She wasn't part of it. Damn. That was a fine makeup job. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there was a lot of really, really, really good makeup there that evening. So those characters are wonderful. And I hope, yeah, that like that. And that was part of the success of the evening was the environment that they helped create. And you mentioned the queen coming out and having a crowning ceremony. The The cool thing was after that happened, that was around midnight. It was still going on. It mm -hmm. turned into a, a, a club. Yes. And there were beach balls being bounced around and there was a DJ on stage as well as the DJs upstairs in the back. So it was just a fun night out that could keep going if you wanted it to. Yeah. So we're not sure exactly what's going to happen with Fool's Fest. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be an annual thing or if it's going to be twice a year or something like that. Uh, so, but either way, I hope it does return because it was definitely a fun night out. And I think there's lots of potential here. Yeah, I think that's the key thing is lots of potential. So for more information on the Fool's Festival, find them on the web at thefoolsfestival.com, on Facebook, The Fool's Festival, 
on Instagram, The Fool's Fest, and also on Twitter, The Fool's Fest. Now, Russell, mm-hmm. you have been bugging me for like the last month and a half. Yes, about I have. This, about, you have to do this escape room. I did it, and you need to do it because you will love it, and it's amazing, and blah, blah, blah. And? Finally, was able to do it. Yes. And we're talking about the Evil Genius escape rooms. Right. And these two escape rooms are named Occam's Apartment, and uh, that's Chapter 1. And the Chapter 2 escape room is called Norcross Art Gallery. They're actually tied story-wise. How are they tied together, Russell? What (laughs) makes this different from other (laughs) escape rooms that have multiple rooms? Well, at Evil Genius escape rooms, uh, you can play them back-to-back with no interruption and no break in between, which is um, what I recommended uh, to Patrick, the guy who runs Evil Genius Escape Rooms. I suggested that he do that to you guys. Yeah. Even though we weren't really that clear about it before you guys went in. <laughs> okay. We were just, just wanted to, in case, you know, we wanted to surprise you guys if you didn't realize that, that you were going to be doing it back to back. Got it. So... So you get in there and normally an escape room is one hour. And so you were in there for quite longer than one hour. Not too much longer, though. (laughs) Yes, you'd made good time. So what happened with me is a friend of mine gave this as a gift to me. Uh, Our friend Ben, uh, we went down and we did it as a two-man team, which was really, really tough. We both succeeded in getting out. We both tried it back-to-back. And you can book these rooms individually, by the way. You don't have to do them back-to-back. Hold on. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there's something we should point out. You did it with two people and bought the room out. We did it with six people and that was a full room. So you can buy out a room with just two people. Uh, And we'll actually talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Uh, We were lucky enough to get a few minutes of Patrick's time and have an interview with him coming up. Yeah. And before we get into that, let's, um, we're going to discuss logistics with him, but just Mike, I've, I've been wanting you to do this room for weeks. Yes, you have. (laughs) Like, do you know why now? Yes, of course. Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah. And it, it, you totally get immersed in the story because there's no break. Yeah. You know, it doesn't take you out of the story. It doesn't take you out of that world that you're in. Yeah. The no break is definitely an advantage. I think if you're, I would not recommend for a beginner, if you, if this is your very first escape room, I would not recommend doing that because it's a little overwhelming. <laughs> no, I, w- I'm, I would agree with you, except not for the overwhelming part, but because of, it sets the bar so high. Yeah. That, that's a like, if reason. you do this room and do it without, if you do the two rooms without a break, and that's your first experience, every other room is going to seem boring, I think. <laughs> um, and, and something else we should uh, mention is the the difference between the two rooms. Uh, Occam's Apartment is a wonderful set. Like, holy crap. It, it's, it's an apartment. It is an apartment. You go into somebody's home and explore, and you buy it. It is 100% real. That is an achievement. Like you don't feel like this is something that was built to be an escape room or a set of any kind. You actually feel like they took over somebody's apartment. There's so many nice details. Uh, and then the next room, uh, as we said, it was named the Norcross Art Gallery. That's a totally different vibe because you actually enter an art gallery. Yeah. Like to the point where you don't want to touch certain things <laughs> because you, you're not supposed to touch stuff in an art gallery. Well, and also to the point where they had their own pamphlets. Yes which is a a key thing that you should pay attention to when you do this room. 
the environments are so good with this and the story is so good. But the reason, Mike, that I wanted you to do this room so badly is uh, when Ben and I did it as a team, we were, there were moments where we were just laughing out loud because we were so happy about the puzzles. Yeah. And the challenges because they are so incredibly varied and unique. So many things. There are a couple of things that, and I always love this when you find something in an escape room that you have never, ever seen before. Mm -hmm. That happened multiple times here. And it's really, really interesting because a couple of them threw me and uh, when I did it, and I noticed that they threw you as well, your team. It took you a while to figure a couple of things out. Um, the the one disadvantage I think that I had for doing it just as a two man team is we because it's if it's a two man team you can't explore as fast mm -hmm. because literally you just don't have the manpower right and especially in Occam's apartment there's so much exploration that needs to be done to get what you need to get through that. And so there were a couple of times when we were moving a bit slow because we literally just hadn't uncovered anything yet. You know, we hadn't found a certain clue or we hadn't uncovered what we need yet. So uh, you guys did really, really well in that room. And the thing I would also like to point out is, you know, sometimes we've done escape rooms and, and I've said it on the podcast and in, in, in the past, but, you know, I, I would feel useless in a room. Like I was on the opposite side of a room when this puzzle got solved or I was on over here when another puzzle got solved or a clue was found. And it was like, Oh, I didn't feel like I really didn't do much, but this room, not only did I feel like I was on point, like with some of these puzzles, like I was so excited. It was like, my brain was just on, mm -hmm. but everybody on the team had moments like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a, Oh, these two people are solving everything all six of us like were able to contribute and do stuff like we were all on point and that's it's rare i think to say that in an escape room nowadays uh i have a little bit of a confession to make which you know this already because you were there and this normally does not happen so so if you play evil genius escape rooms don't expect this but uh patrick said i could mention it i was able to watch you guys on the security camera the entire yeah. time you knew that, mm -hmm. but, but it's just where like, were your hands? So, <laughs> hey, <laughs> lust. Um, the funny thing was, Patrick and I started talking about you guys, and because and this is something which um, we've talked to uh, off the record. We've kind of talked to other escape room owners about this. There are types of people who do escape rooms, and we've talked about things that throw us inside escape rooms like me and I get latched onto an idea and I can't let go of it. Um, you know, you sometimes see everything, but you don't see connections. I mean, that, that's, that's how we function. Our brains function. Yeah. So the cool thing was I went in and Patrick was, was looking at you guys and he said, well, you know, have these group people played together? And I said, well, not, not everyone on this team. This is the first time this team has formed the way it is. And he said, well, what are they like? And I literally said, okay, we have, the scientist person, we have the brain person, we have the visual person, we have the person who sees a little bit of everything, and we have one unknown entity because it was someone we had never done an escape room with. So during the course of watching you guys in the apartment and watching you go through the art gallery escape room, all of your 
they aren't stereotypes. They're just who you are. Yeah. But all of those types came to the foreground and every one of them contributed. It's like what you just said is absolutely true. And I was able to see it on the security camera. And when you guys got stuck, the way you got out of it was somebody hadn't quite clicked yet on their strength. Yeah. And when they did, that was when the puzzle got solved. You know, and you guys received hardly any clues. Just one. So, and, and it was, and I would like to per, to say this publicly that we did not ask for it. That's true. Because, but, but what real, what, uh, you know, I can speak from the other side. Cause I was, I was talking to Patrick. It was so obviously that you were literally looking at something. Oh yeah. And absolutely not seeing it, which by the way, I got that. <laughs> <laughs> I was the one who figured that out when Ben and I did it. And again, that was, it was the visual thing. So Debbie was the one who, who, put the pieces together, but nobody actually looked at the thing that you were supposed to use for the numbers. Right. So, but it was really interesting that, that, you know, like as a team, everybody did have their strong moment and everybody contributed. And my favorite personally, cause it was so difficult for me to understand when I was in the room, Melissa had this moment where there's a visual cue that is so incredibly simple. And Patrick told me later that it's one of the biggest things that people miss because he said people come in here and they've done escape rooms and they expect it to be more. And literally you, you hold something in your hand and you have to find something in the room that looks like it. That sounds incredibly simple. And he said that is one of the biggest hiccups in that room. Hmm. And Melissa was the one who figured it out. And he said that... It, that that's so easy to miss because everything else in the room, you're like you said, your brain is firing on all cylinders. If you're paying attention, Mm -hmm. there's locks and there's combinations and there's things you have to search through and there's things you have to connect dots. You have to connect literally sometimes. And, but that thing is so simple. You hold something in your hand and you just have to find it in the room. Right. Talk about cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's like in the middle of all of this confusing, really difficult stuff, they put, such a simple puzzle and that's where people get tripped up oh yeah because you expect there to be something inside it or you know seeing something within it and yeah it's like because that's exactly what i did i know what you're talking about and i did everything i just mentioned i was like oh nope can't figure this out putting it down i took the same approach you did i saw you playing with that yeah (laughs) so and uh but you know also uh later on you know um Dawson had a moment in the art gallery where everybody in the room was like, we have this, we have this, we have this. And then Dawson just stood back and went, Hey guys. And he pointed to one corner of the room and he like pointed to the other corner of the room and it, and it like everyone in the room got it like, Oh wait, we're connecting the wrong dots. <laughs> you know? And it was just like, you know, David was there. Like, it, uh, I'm, I'm trying there was a moment with David too. And it was, I think in the book sequence, because there, there's a book you have to pay attention to in this room. And um, I think David was was the one who started to make figure that one out quickly. And also uh, Brian, who who is this really super intelligent all-around guy. Brian was the visual and logic guy in the art gallery. Mm-hmm. Who there, There's a, uh, I don't want to give away what happens, but you have to arrange certain things to trigger something to happen inside the art gallery. Brian was the one who figured out the order of what to do, mm-hmm. like the steps to follow. And, uh, and also there's an area of in, in one of these rooms, it gets pretty dark and creepy. 
and Brian figured out what to do in that area as well. Yep. So like, so, it, but it was, it just like, I'm digressing a bit, but the, the point I'm trying to make is there are so many different types of puzzles and challenges in this room. Everything from puzzles to riddles, to logic stuff, to not really a lot of math, but there's just, I had such a good time in this. This is one of my favorite escape rooms ever. Yeah, I agree. And both of them, both of them rank very, very high. Now, after you guys finished, we were able to sit down and talk with Patrick for a few minutes. He's the creative force behind Evil Genius Escape Rooms. And in this interview, he will cover a little bit of what we've covered already or hinted to as far as booking the room, not getting grouped with strangers. It's like he's got a really interesting take on the escape room business, I think, as a creator and owner in the fact that he's obviously a fan. And the cool thing about Evil Genius Escape Rooms is it's an escape room that obviously is made for people who love escape rooms. Yeah, that sets it apart. Yeah, it, it's you feel like this is a labor of love. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the interview with Patrick. Mike and I are sitting here with Patrick from Evil Genius Escape Rooms. I was lucky enough to do these rooms a couple of weeks ago. Mike just finished with a team. Uh, both of us were successful. Both of us had a great time. We were lucky enough to find that Patrick had a few minutes to sit down and chat with us about the escape rooms. They're fairly new on the scene in Los Angeles, but they're unique, they're fun, and there's a couple of things we wanted to highlight about Evil Genius Escape Rooms. Patrick, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on the show. Something about Evil Genius Escape Rooms is you've got two rooms open. Uh, One of the things that you offer is each room is one hour long, correct? Yes. But you also offer the option that these rooms can be played back-to-back with no break in the middle. And the storyline, I should mention, is continuous. Yes, uh, we plan on doing it, uh, our storyline continuous for the entirety of our company. So we're eventually hoping to have a total of six chapters, but right now we have the two, and you can play them back-to-back, like you said, and that's the way that we prefer our, our more experienced players to, to kind of tackle them because you have two hours to do the whole thing. Which is the way I did it a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and Mike and his team just did it that way. Uh, is that becoming a popular option for you guys? Yes. Uh, I mean, it's it's been more and more people have been uh, coming out and doing the, the back-to-back experience because it's kind of unique. It's something that we wanted to do because we like to do escape rooms more. Like, we, we do a lot of them. And mm-hmm. so we want to do them, like, we always wanted to do a two-hour experience, like one that was longer than just an hour. So we decided we were going to just kind of create that experience. So uh, We had a blast. Uh, the variety of puzzles within each room is so wide and the two rooms themselves are vastly different from each other, even though they are a part of the same storyline. Uh, your production design is wonderful. Can you tell us who designed the rooms? Um, I designed the rooms. Um, I designed the rooms, uh, came up with the puzzles, came up with the, um, the, the music is really where a lot of that stemmed from like the feel of the room. And I just had a, a couple friends help me execute the idea, but, uh, Excellent. One of the things actually I have on my list of things to ask you about is the music score. Uh, Mike, did you notice the music while you were playing the rooms? Yes. It adds so much to the atmosphere, and that's an original score by you, correct? Yes, yeah. That's, that's what I did beforehand was film composing, because that's how I actually got into the, the doing opening my own escape room, was that I actually wanted to write the music for an escape room. I approached a few companies, and they were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I guess that is kind of a weird thing to ask a company. So <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to go make my own company then. And no, so, that's, yeah. that's awesome. And uh, it adds so much to the environment, and each, each score for each room really amps up the tension at the appropriate places and vastly different between the two rooms. Mm-hmm. 
If somebody wants to book the back-to-back -back experience, is that something they can do online? Do they need to contact you directly? Um, you can definitely book it back-to-back. -back. The time slots line up perfectly that you could do chapter one and then chapter two. We do, if you want to do the time back-to-back -back experience specifically, we ask that you do call in just so we can kind of facilitate that because otherwise you may, depending on how fast you complete the rooms, run into somebody else, which would kind of cause a hiccup. So we would definitely... Um, appreciate the call and we, we like to accommodate whenever we can so and your air rooms are uh, you cap out at six total correct yes so six people per room escape rooms in general are pretty hard to take to the next level for the most part mm -hmm. um, how much more can you do with a room and try to escape it do you see back-to-back -back type of experience the the next level of escape room um I think it's definitely a step in the right direction because it is we we see a lot of like similar themes and stuff. But I think what makes it what we've had a lot of comments on is that people really like the immersiveness of the back to back experience, because not only do you get to experience the same characters and the same like atmosphere once you get to like come back and revisit it so it's like instead of just watching a pilot of a tv show you're going to get to watch like the whole season of the tv show because i mean sometimes the pilot is enough sometimes it is enough but <laughs> but yeah i mean that's what we want to do is just create an experience that um is overarching that you kind of can feel like you're a part of it's your story and it, it expands over multiple rooms so yeah and I think that's the most important thing because right now there's such a huge push in the immersive theater scene. So being able to come to an escape room and have it be part of a bigger world where the characters overlap and it's the same universe, like that's, that's huge. Like that's awesome. Like, you know, Russell has been teasing me about this for the last few weeks. Like, I can't wait for you to do this because it's so <laughs> awesome, but I can't tell you anything. And, you know, coming in here and it's like, oh, oh oh and there's so many oh moments and it, it's just it's so cool having the story go through for the two hours and the same characters and you never lose sight of that you know it's not like you're going to a, an escape room that has three rooms and it's like oh this room is a library this one is an office y you know it, it it's it all makes sense even though they're very different Cool. Well, no, thank you so much. And another thing that I really enjoyed about the rooms is the puzzles uh, I mentioned earlier. There's such a wide variety of different types of puzzles. They're pretty organic to the sets that you've created. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you if you go on their website at Evil Genius uh, Escape, Escape Rooms, you'll find that you'll get the basic story set up, and one of them is an apartment. Yes, that apartment feels 100% real. And the gallery in the second room feels 100% real. You don't feel like you're on a set. You don't feel like you've... You, it, it's, it's a compliment to you that it feels so completely real. And the fact that your puzzles are part of the atmosphere. They're part of the environment. And that's, that's something that Mike and I both talk about when we talk about escape rooms. And as he just mentioned, the immersive theater craze, which is exploding in this town as well. Like you know, congratulations on that. It's, I think it's quite an achievement. I think you're going to have a lot of repeat customers because of that. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. And we, we plan on doing that with all of our rooms too. Like we want the, we want the puzzles to make sense because um, sometimes you, you, we want what you're doing to make sense. Uh, that's what we really think. And that adds to the immersion is like, if the puzzles can stay on track with the story, then that makes it that much more immersive. And we even tried to do the same thing, like with our, our hint system and stuff. We want to make sure that there's nothing that really takes you out of the story. 
So. So you have two rooms now, Occam's apartment and Norcross art gallery, yes. and you're soon going to be adding a third. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us about that room and when you expect it to be open? Well, we're, uh, it's, it's called the morgue. It's going to be set in an abandoned morgue. And what we're, uh, looking to do, uh, we're looking for two to three months and we're kind of trying to do something unique where you actually, you start with 30 minutes and then you actually have to complete side tasks to gain more time. And um, so we're just trying to do something unique. It's very interactive. It will be very fun. All of the Evil Geniuses design. So it's going to be some, some creepy stuff. And once the morgue opens, will, that be, will people be able to book Chapter 1, Chapter 2, and Chapter 3 back to back to back? We have been toying with that idea. We don't know if there's that level of enthusiast. We've, I've had a few customers that are definitely like, we would do all three in a row if the third one was open right now. But it's just, it's, we're trying to figure that out, I guess is the answer. And another thing that I find interesting about your escape room is the fact that you actually don't combine groups. That's, yeah, that's true. So if you show up, um, you expect someone to have booked the entire room. Uh, explain the, the system of, uh, you know, is there a cost difference if you, depending on the number of people you book? Uh, so you won't be thrown in with strangers, it sounds like. Yeah, you will not be thrown in with strangers. Um, right now we have it for, for two people. There's a little bit more of a charge. It's $38 as compared to $32 per person. But we, we want the experience to be um, intimate and, like, the way that you want to experience. So if you want to experience it with just one other person, there's not necessarily a reason you should be charged an arm and a leg to do so. And that you don't end up, you know, with like some like drunken fools in the room with you or something like that, because we've done rooms where we've ended up in that situation. And I just wanted to make sure that the experience stayed again, it's immersive. So if you were like, Oh, I'm showing up to my friend's apartment to gather his things. And here I am with a bunch of strangers. It wouldn't necessarily make sense. And so we just, we wanted to give our customers that experience like um, that they, so they could have a, a very intimate experience. So. That's a really unique and awesome aspect of this. And, and as fans of escape rooms, you know, I, I can certainly say I appreciate that. And when I did it a few weeks ago, actually, um, somebody, you know, brought me here because they, you'd gotten their attention and we did it as a two person mm-hmm. team and it was quite challenging. <laughs> You guys did good, though. <laughs> <laughs> we did escape. Uh, with I think I think we had three and a half minutes left. Yes, three so, and a half minutes left for the, for the two-hour experience. Yeah, for the two-hour experience. And then Mike's team tonight. Yeah, I was going to ask you how many minutes we had left. You guys had 31 minutes left. Nice. So very solid. So we did 10 times as better than, <laughs> than you, Russ. <laughs> wow, with only four additional people. Wow, thanks, Mike. I, I feel really smart right now. <laughs> Thank you so much again for hosting. This is I I love the idea of having a back to back double room. Fantastic idea. People are going to love this if they haven't done it. They need to come try it. Um, where can people find you on the web and your social media? Um, our uh, website is evilgeniusescaperooms.com or you could also type in escapehim.com. We also have that as well. And then uh, we're at, at Evil Genius Escape Rooms for our, um, our Instagram. So. so, yeah, definitely check it out. Thank you again, and can't wait to see the morgue. Yeah. No, I'm excited for you guys to come back. <laughs>
Thank you, Patrick, for sitting down and, and having the time to chat with us for a few minutes. By that time, it was really late at night. Yeah. <laughs> so really appreciate you taking the time, Patrick. And highly, highly recommend Escape Room fans check this out. If you can book the rooms back-to-back as a single experience, we recommend you doing that. Even though I will say, Mike, about halfway through the second room, I was suffering from brain fatigue. But that might also have been that there were only two of us doing the rooms. Uh, it's a really intense experience. It's really fun. The transition between the rooms is killer. There's a lot to recommend these rooms, the variety, the immersive feeling of the sets. This is one of my all-time personal favorites in Los Angeles, definitely. Yeah, and keep an eye out for the morgue when that opens because we are definitely going to go and do that. Hell yeah. (laughs) I echo everything you just said. Like This was so much fun, and I'm glad you know me well enough to know I would love this one. And even though you kept bugging me about it, you know, I knew, you know, I, I knew it was going to be good. Yeah, I'm, I look forward to seeing the, what they do at the morgue. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. If you'd like more information on Evil Genius Escape Rooms, you can check them out at EvilGeniusEscapeRooms.com, on Facebook, Evil Genius Escape Rooms, and on Instagram, Evil Genius Escape Rooms. Highly recommend them. Now, we were just talking about the immersive environment of an escape room. We want to highlight something that is an immersive experience. It's got escape room elements, but is completely and totally unique. It's not a play. It's not an immersive theater piece. It's not an escape room. It's a unique form of storytelling. This is something really, really special, people. It's The Nest by the Scout Expedition Company. And just when you think that you've seen every way there was to tell a story, something like the nest comes out and smacks you in the face and says, nope, there's, here's another way because that's exactly what they do. Like this, this is like the next level. This is one of those moments I think where you, you have creators who have worked with numerous different venues in the past. Um, uh, Jeff and Jarrett, who are the creators of the nest, uh, are Disney Imagineers. They've worked with Delusion. They've worked with Third Rail. Like Their pedigree is top-notch. So going into this, I really didn't know what to expect because if you have been paying attention to immersive stuff in Los Angeles, you're probably aware of The Nest. And the basic story that they set you up with is that you have been willed a storage area with stuff in it and that you're supposed to go into this thing and find out your connection to it. That's how you begin. And you literally enter a cluttered room. Mm-hmm. And there was there was a lot of hype surrounding the nest. Um, I mean, it sold out its first month in a few days, I think. And they did an extension that sold out as well. So going into this, you already had that feeling of, oh, this is going to be something special. And going into it, it lives up to all that hype that you have in your head. It lives up to, oh, wow, this show is sold out for two months. I wonder if it's any good. It's fantastic. Like we, it, it's, it's just everything about it is, is beautiful. I think for me, Mike, the most difficult thing about this show is you and I went in and we had to change our expectations while we were in the middle of it. Uh, do you think that's true? Um, I did. I don't know. 
And I think that's the thing that people are going to go into this and I think they're going to make up their minds. Some people will make up their minds when they walk in and go like, oh, I, I know exactly what this is. And I had to give that up. And uh, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that you have to listen to audio during this show. That, right. That's pretty much set up. You go into this area and you they give you a tape recorder, literally. So Well, that, they tell you that when you show up. Right. So I don't think any of that is going to be a spoiler. But how it's utilized in the show and the way the story unfolds, that was the thing of like, it, it, I don't know, after like 15 minutes in the room, I said, I need to slow down. You know, I, I, I was expect, I, like I was trying to figure stuff out and, you know, and I think we both went a little bit into escape room mode where... A little? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you went all the way. <laughs> so... um where we were looking under things and we were looking through stuff and, and you do that as part of the show, but that's not the focus. The mm -hmm. focus is what is hidden in the audio tapes. Right. And what unfolds is the story of a woman's life. And there are ups and there are downs and there's comedy and there's tragedy. And all of that is revealed to you as you're in this completely oddball beautiful environment and you're finding stuff inside the environment and you're exploring it as you are controlling what you're listening to and no story is going to be the same because right. the story unfolds based on when you find these cassettes and which cassette you choose to listen to yeah which order so when russell and i went we had a different completely different story than you know, we, we spoke to some friends last night than, you know, Jeff had, mm -hmm. you know, we had a different storyline based on what we found and when we decided to play it in what order. Right. And that talk about like replayability, like, you know, like that, right. You can get a different story every time you go. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, what I would love to do is I'd love to go back with someone other than you. Don't take that personally. Oh, no, I wanted to kill you halfway through why it's for fun <laughs> <laughs> and you could have hid my body in that place and no, people never would have found it <laughs> because it because it, it goes because you know how i can get in escape rooms sometimes yeah like i can get frustrated so you know when you just wander off with the flashlight and i'm just stuck there in the dark it's like what the hell russell i'm trying to find more tapes but you also did that to me <laughs> and that was revenge <laughs> i didn't get annoyed when you did it <laughs> but that's how we're different <laughs> I but but I went to go find something that was related to what you were doing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm sorry if I annoyed you. Oh uh, no, it's fine. I'm just kidding. Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh that is actually part of the fun is you are given one flashlight in a very dark environment <laughs> yeah and you don't have a running clock that's true so you don't know how much time you have mm -hmm. and so that's one of the things that that i i started getting antsy and you know sh like short fused with you because you would be looking at something as like we need to find all of these things and i don't know how much time we have but here's some advice if you're going don't worry about it because you're never going to find everything very true. You will never find everything that's available. Now, it's interesting that you say that, Mike, because I had the exact opposite reaction. Is the longer we were in there, the calmer I became. 
Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. Interesting. That, that's why, do you remember, like, at one point, I was, I had a stack of cassettes, and I was going through the titles, trying to figure out which title we should go to now. Like, I was, at that point, I was like, oh, this is not about the puzzles. This right. is not about unlocking anything. This is not about, this is literally about this woman's voice. See, and while you were doing that, in my head, I'm like, just freaking play one. <laughs> No, it's like I had the opposite. I I went on a different path than you went. <laughs> but because literally I became more calm. Mm-hmm. And I became slower and I became more deliberate about where we were going, especially when the the um how do I describe it? I because the pathways are so intricate. Um when we were in the final area with something that that brings to mind a child. Um that was really when I noticed like you were like like wanting like move that move that move that I'm like no it it doesn't matter how fast we go right that's, and that, and that's something I didn't get until afterwards oh it it became clear to me about halfway through yeah so I mean exactly you know obviously no offense but when you said you want to do it again not with me I want to do it again not with you and just totally one hundred percent just focus on that yeah and not trying to like find everything because. You know, now we have knowledge that that doesn't matter. Right, right. And and it was and I got but the only frustration I felt in there is I felt you were doing everything. And it was because I, you know, wound up like gathering the tapes and trying to keep things in order and you know, that was my only frustration, but mm. that was the mode you were in. Right. And I wasn't in that mode. So and and you know and look look I I managed to get us to a key at one point and you turned around and 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 I and I I didn't understand a phrase that was written down and you went oh it's over there and so I you know like I got to unlock and I got to explore and pull uh, stuff out of you know the box and like so yeah it was just we were like we were in very different modes during this oh definitely day. yeah and and to be totally honest I wouldn't rather have done it with anyone else the first time thanks. Because it just, it highlights the difference between the two of us. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons I think we can sometimes work well together. <laughs> <laughs> Not always, but sometimes. <laughs> okay, let's stop the love fest. Um, <laughs> so the Nest by Scout Expedition Company is truly something special. I have to give credit to the sound, the music, the the production design of this. You literally enter this bizarre little structure and explore and that's the whole key Mm -hmm. and seriously if you if you if you have a ticket if you're planning on going to the nest if you if you get to go sometime in the future think about the exploration that's the point here don't be a mike (laughs) and no we joke but seriously like don't like don't go into it in escape room mode yeah i it it didn't ruin the experience for me, but, oh, no. but there's definitely more I could have gotten out of it if I wasn't in that mode, because there were, there were points where, you know, Russell, you were saying like, you felt like I was doing stuff and, you know, and I, and I was doing everything and that, I guess like, because in my mind it's like, okay, you're handling the vid- the tapes, you're handling, playing them. Mm-hmm. You yeah. hold that. I'm going to listen while I'm over here doing this. Right. So, but you know, I know there's things that I miss like part of the story. You know, oh, yeah. from doing that. So if you go to this, seriously, please, like, don't go in with an escape room mentality. Please <laughs> focus on the story because there there is a time limit and you 
you won't find everything, even though you think you might. It's about the journey. Yeah. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this experience. Yeah, I did too. I, I really hope that they do another extension um, because I, I want to go back. Yeah, I hope they do another extension as well. If you want more information about the Scout Expedition Company, you can look them up at scoutexpedition.co. On Facebook, look for Scout Expedition CO. On Instagram, it is Scout Expedition CO. On Twitter, look for Scout Expedition. And you can also go to thenestshow.com, which is specifically for this show. And when you definitely go to their website and sign up for their mailing list, because if they do do an extension, uh, they will let their email list know first. So, Russell, we took a trip also. Yes, we did. And we went back to Kansas. It was a good trip. Yeah. Chapter three of the Kansas collection entitled The Door from the Speakeasy Society and the continuing journey throughout Oz and Kansas. And And for me, Mike, this was the, uh, if I say densest chapter so far. Holy crap, there was a lot of things in play. Oh, yeah. Uh, my mind was reeling by the like three quarters of the way through. I was like, wait, am I connecting all the dots? <laughs> so uh, we met Mr. Diggs, who we've encountered before, mm-hmm. uh, formerly known as the wizard. the wizard. And there were a couple of wonderful, wonderful moments in this show because uh, do we say who we met or no? I, I don't think so. Okay. But um, we did meet a new character. We did meet a new character and... Who uh, plays a major part. Yes, absolutely. In this chapter and everything in general. Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing for me, Mike, this time is the level of intrigue for the patrons, you know, for, for those of us who have bought our ticket and we're entering this world. This was a show that literally multiple times... You, you sort of got the head nod of like, are you with me mm-hmm. or are you with someone else? Right. So the sort of like the spy, which side are you on? Which, which side are you on intrigue, which started really heavily in the second chapter, in my opinion, um, because the first side, the, the first chapter, you sort of chose a side, but you didn't realize why. Um, the door has so much going on and I'm, I'm not going to reveal exactly what happened, but did you realize that I almost at one point revealed something I shouldn't have? Uh, in the beginning? No, 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 no. It was very near the end. And one of the characters looked at me and went, don't. Oh no. It's like, yeah. What did you not almost reveal? Thank you. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but no, I, I, I had a knee jerk reaction where I wanted to help somebody. And, uh, there was a woman in the room who turned to me and were like, don't move. Don't. And it was, it was like, Oh shoot. Like I, I almost revealed something about how I stand in the room and how, and what I believe is going on. Right. And the fact that she caught that, that literally was like a physical reflex action on my part. And she commented on it and she did it like, really? You didn't notice her doing that to me? Wow. No. I'm stunned. I was too busy being in shock and awe <laughs> about because. <laughs> yes. Why? Just because it was um, someone I hadn't seen in a while mm-hmm. that 
I have a fondness for. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just a surprise that they showed up. Right. And right. so it was, it had that giddy, like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I noticed the smile. <laughs> oh, uh, and, and, the, and I will say this about this chapter. Somebody showed up that I wanted. I, I like, there's a character that I really respond heavily to in this, in this collection of, of, um, uh, of chapters that they're stringing together. And I wanted to know more. And there was a moment in this show where he was confused and I think felt pain and I wanted to know more because I, I am drawn to that character because I think is a really interesting character and I couldn't do anything, you know, because of the nature of how this, how the intrigue is unfolding. Wow. I, am I revealing too much? No, I don't think so. Okay. I know we're talking very, very obliquely, but you know, just, <laughs> um, and I was surprised at how heavily I felt the pull toward that character. And so as, as intrigued and happy that you were that the, that particular character who you met in a previous chapter showed up, I was so happy to see the other person. And when they left so soon, I was like, but, but I want to, I have, I have questions. <laughs> I was like, why are you leaving? I have questions. So the fact that they, they're creating this intrigue serialized version of this story is so much fun. So I have a question for you because someone asked you this, this refers back to the key, which is chapter one, right? But somebody asked you who you spoke to. And because you did it twice, you said I had a bet, like a bigger impact with this person. Yeah. Do you think seeing things twice has helped you or do you think it's hurt you in a way because you have too much information and too much to choose from and too many sides to play? No, it's, it has not hurt me for this reason. I, I'm playing what speaks to me the most. Mm, okay. You know, and, and look, because I, I, I saw the first chapter twice, like she asked us a question. She asked everyone in the room, like, Hey, you guys all agreed to this, right? And we all said yes, because we all had agreed to that. And even though I've done, I did that first chapter twice and I got two different paths. That was not a lie on my part. You know, she said, hey, did you do this in chapter one? I went, yes, I did, because I did. But whether or not I'm loyal to that decision, I'm I'm not sure. When we went through this show, I think I learned where I want to place my loyalty. Right. You know, Which and because... Is... And we, what? Which is... <laughs> really? <laughs> hey, it's worth a shot. Because you know sometimes that works with me. That's why you keep trying it. <laughs> Apparently, Kansas does get these transmissions. So, just saying. <laughs> so, I think it's worth mentioning that you know in this this observation of Oz that they're creating the idea that there is the Scarecrow King, which is referenced in each of the chapters, and whether or not he is good or bad, I find that utterly fascinating because. Uh, I hate to say it, but, you know, look at our current political climate where you have leaders, and I'm not just referring to a particular country, I'm referring around the world. Uh, you have leaders that some people are saying are good and some people are saying are bad. It's, it's you know, it, it's it's like fake science. Like, you can always find a statistic to support your point of view. 
that's kind of what this is unfolding like for me is that each time we go through a chapter it's like i see their point oh my god yes their way is evil and horrible and killing people and then in the next chapter i can go like oh wait maybe i'm on the wrong side and the fact that this world is well i said it at the beginning this is the densest chapter for me the fact that this world is so complex is so much freaking fun like like seriously the door was so much fun and there wasn't a lot of interactive stuff in this show i think a little more in the past chapters we were more interactive we sat down and we were basically a story unfolded before us Mm -hmm. but i was not disappointed in any way because everything about this world is so fascinating about who is good, who is bad, because both sides, I think have questionable tactics. So who do you go with? Right. Like this, this is fascinating, rich stuff. And the fact that it's in the Oz mythology itself in a way that I've never thought about the Oz mythology. This is so cool. Yeah. And also, I need to give credit and a shout out to Lyman because I think this is the first time we actually had some like intimate time with him, you know, such a great character. Yeah. Because I mean, for the key, it was, you know, it was just like an overview. We didn't really know much for the ax. It was in that big room and it wasn't really intimate because there were so many people at one time. (laughs) And he kept, he kept annoying us with, not answering our questions directly. <laughs> but this, because it's such a small group of people for each time slot, mm-hmm. you know, you get that personalized time with him and you can just have a conversation with him. And, you know, it, it was, it was, it was really good. And, you know, he asks you questions and you have conversations and you, he makes you think. Yeah, and it's absolutely. Really cool. And, you know, he, he was the one who reminded us that, uh, all decisions have consequences. Mm-hmm. And then when you get into the chapter, you know, when you actually get into the show, um, that was really relevant this time. Yeah. Because the decisions you've made in the past, you're starting to see the ramifications of who you believe is telling the most truth. I love this show. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's so bittersweet because we just did chapter three over the weekend and we know Johnny is coming up, which is their other show. So who knows when chapter four is going to happen and they're going to remount chapter three, I'm assuming at some point, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to wait. I want to just keep going at this point. Like there's, there's new things that have been untied and new strings I need to follow. And like, what is going to happen now? This is like a week. This is like, breaking bad of immersive theater it's, it's a like serial like it's what's gonna happen drama. now <laughs> yeah. no, this is yeah this is really intriguing so i i'm really fond of this as of now the door does not have dates for a remount um the speakeasy society is going into uh their third show of the johnny cycle called uh johnny the living so hopefully once that uh finishes they will have more dates for the chapter three the door what you should do is sign up for their email list uh, on their website because they will send you info about dates and such. And their website is speakeasysociety.com. On Facebook, the Speakeasy SOC. On Instagram and Twitter, the Speakeasy SOC. So from the door, Russell, we had a busy night. Oh, yeah, we did. We went from the door to seeing a ton of monsters and amazing horror at Monsterpalooza. 
which is an annual convention uh, here in Los Angeles that gathers so many cool things in one place. Makeup artists, special effects artists, uh, horror people. uh, There's vendors that sell everything from T-shirts to books to uh, furniture to incredible sculptures. Uh, It it, it is quite quite a show yeah it's a horror convention it's a special effects makeup convention uh it's an art convention it's a little bit of everything but more heavily influenced by horror and makeup and i think it we were having this discussion uh after we left i ran into some friends we were talking about what is different about monster palooza and i i think what we agreed on was that this caters, I think, to a slightly wider variety of artist, because there's a lot of beautiful paintings that are there for sale. There's a lot mm-hmm. of artists working in different mediums. And if you go to the other conventions that happen in Los Angeles, I think you get um, a, a slightly different style. You don't. Yeah. It's like because there were <laughs> there was some, there's some really high end stuff, and then there's there's prints, there's all sorts of things to to buy and. Um, and to browse and to gawk at <laughs> in wonder. But overall, I think there's a there's a level of the special effects and makeup side that at Monster Palooza, it's a higher end. Oh, definitely. It's, it's very industry-oriented in some ways. However, uh, I, I don't want to say that and think have anyone think that it's not fan-based as well because there's tons of stuff there for fans as well. Yeah, tons of signings and people that give autographs and the panels and screenings. Actually, one of the largest signing areas that I think of any convention in the Los Angeles area, there's tons of people. So, And last night when we were there, the longest line was for Kane Hodder, which totally makes sense. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> the cool thing about this also is, yes, it's a convention, but at the same time, it's a museum because the displays that... that the exhibitors have the eye candy is ridiculous Mm -hmm. you know when you go by like these huge huge companies like the stan winston school and seeing all of that like you you know all the you see people from the show face off doing their stuff and like the prosthetics and everything and you know some of the busts and care and um armatures and it's just it's next level stuff and you know i i they actually did have a museum section as well on top of that. So what I was just talking about was just the show floor. Then they have an actual museum room with all of these props. And it's like, how is this not real? Like that looks so real. Yeah. It's, did you notice the, um, uh, there are a couple of things for me that were a highlight in the museum. They had a recreation of the crate beast from creep show. Yep. So beautiful, an amazing Frankenstein. Like, what do you call that? It was like, <laughs> it was like they Frankenstein was there, and and you believed he was real. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you see the busts from the Howling? Oh yeah. Oh man, they were beautiful. Yeah, the level of craftsmanship on display in that museum, and the museum is something that Monster Palooza, I think, is known for. Every time that they have Monster Palooza, there's always a museum with unbelievably fine art on display. Yeah, so Monster Palooza happens usually every April, but then Son of Monster Palooza will usually happen around September-ish, I think. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if those dates have been announced yet, but when they are, they'll be on the calendar and we'll let you know about it because it's, it's definitely something worth checking out. Like, it, it's just so much fun. 
And for more information on Monster Palooza and Son of Monster Palooza, when that happens, go to monsterpalooza.com, on Facebook, Monster Palooza, on Instagram, Monster Palooza Official, and on Twitter, Monster Palooza and the number one. So Russell, something that we've done about a month or a month and a half ago or so is something called the Black Matter Foundation. Yes. And when we did it, there was a, a kind of non-disclosure agreement saying you can't talk about anything until April 1st. Well, April 1st is passed. Yes. So we can talk about our experience because yes. we had very different experiences. Yes, we did. So we're going to talk about our experience and what happened. So there will be spoilers. We're not sure if this is still happening, um, but if you haven't done it and you want to, um, you might want to fast forward a little bit because we were under the assumption we could talk about everything after April 1st. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah, that sounds logical. Yeah. So basically, this is a scavenger hunt. Yes. And I would like to say that I think, Mike, the first, well, it depends on how slow you are. <laughs> <laughs> the first 45 minutes to an hour of this, you probably did it much faster than that. I know you. <laughs> um was really fun. Mm-hmm. Was really enjoyable. Uh, it's like there was some there was some stuff that uh, I really really thought was clever and fun and and cool, but overall I didn't have a good time. Right, which is completely the opposite of mine because I loved it, you know. And when we when we spoke privately, and we told each other about what we liked and what we didn't like, you know. Everything you hated, I was like, no, that's awesome. Like, I love that part. Yeah, which I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. All right. Let's let's start from the beginning, I guess. <laughs> uh, first of all, one thing that apparently they changed some of the information from the time that you did it to the time that I did it. Right. So I was given an address, and I was told to find the Uber across the street from the address that I was given. <laughs> I arrived at the address at the allotted time and across the street was a parking lot. So that makes sense that there would be an Uber there. I am waiting. I'm exploring the parking lot. I'm creeping people out that are exiting a yoga class because I keep scoping their vehicles. <laughs> um, it's 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning and they're wondering who the weird guy is casing all the cars in the parking lot. And finally, I reached out to somebody who I knew had done it right before me, uh, not the same day, like, like earlier. And, um, and I said, I'm having a problem. And they went, Oh yeah. Uh, it's not across the street. Like, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, the clue is wrong because the, like literally they are very specific. They give you an address and tell you to go across the street. That's not where they were located. They were located half a block up a different street. See, Okay, first, I didn't get that clue. I went, the I think, during the first weekend, and mm-hmm. it basically just said, go to this address and look for the, the non-traditional. Oh, no. Did it say non-traditional? I forget. Um, uh, I don't remember. I don't think it did. I said, And it said, look for an Uber. And it, what the funny thing is, is where I parked, the first thing I noticed was across the street, a trailer that said Uber. And I made a joke to myself, like, oh, that's funny. Wouldn't it be funny if that was it? You know, because we're so used to, you know, immersive ARGs where there are actual Ubers coming to pick you up. You right. know, like that happened in tension last year. Okay. And I would like to point something that, very key that you just stated where you parked 
Mm-hmm. You didn't park at the address that they gave you. Yes, I did. No, the, you parked, the restaurant. You parked behind it. I parked at the restaurant. You parked at the restaurant. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. Which is the address they gave you. Right. All right. It's a, but I thought I thought when you were in description, you had parked in the parking lot behind the restaurant, nope. which puts you closer to where you're supposed to be. So I misunderstood you. So you saw it. Mm-hmm. I saw it, but it didn't register because I'm so used to thinking, like you know, I was in a Russell box, you know, it was like, it's, it's an Uber. It's a car's coming for me, you know, right. waited. And finally I emailed them. I was like, Hey, I'm here. I don't see any cars. And he's like, and I think that's when they said it's a non-traditional Uber. And I was like, Oh God damn it. It's that thing I've been staring at for like the last half hour. Ah. And then I went across the street, but, and, and, you know, we, we spoke about this already and we have but very different feelings. <laughs> across that, a street that is not the address they gave you. But that is across the street. The address they gave you is a restaurant, correct? Yes. Granted, the restaurant is at a corner, but that's still across the street. I call BS on this, and I will I will support this with evidence. Mm-hmm. On the day that I went, I was the 8 a.m. slot. I had a problem with that clue. By the time I finished what I needed to do in that area, I ran into the 9 a.m. people who were having the exact same problem. And then the 10 a.m. person we ran into later in the day, he couldn't figure it out. And every one of us were like, it's completely misleading. They give you the wrong information, completely flat out wrong. I don't know about the 11 a.m. person. The 12 p.m. person from that same day had the exact same but problem. But what's wrong? What's wrong with, how is it wrong? It's across the street. It's Not across the, the street. street they give you. No, they gave you an address. They didn't say it's and across said, the street. across the street. Yeah, they name the street. See, I no, I don't think you're. It's supposed to be across that street. They give you an address to go to, and then say it's across the street. So you're at the address that's on a corner. It's across the street, and from across that the street is a gas station, not the vehicle you're looking for. It's still it's across farther the street. Up. Yeah, I completely it. disagree with you. And I have what? I have one, two, three, four, at least five people. Plus other people that we know of who all have the same issue I have and feel that that clue is completely inaccurate. And that's fine. You're wrong. I'm not wrong. <laughs> no, I don't think many people found the Uber based on the first clue, no matter what the clue was. Right. So, but it's across the street from the address they gave you. So yeah, like, I was very by. frustrated by the time I got there and, and started the whole process mm. because I thought that clue was completely bogus. Right. And that set the tone for the rest of the thing for me. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I was very frustrated. And when I finally got it, like, like I said, for the next 45 minutes, hour, I had a blast. Mm-hmm. I was very frustrated because, and, th- and this, this was, okay, and I, I tried to take a lesson from you, Mike, as to, okay, maybe I'm interpreting this incorrectly. But one of the things that they next reference, your next step is look for a grassy knoll. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, there is no grassy knoll. The grassy knoll that is in that area, there is one. It leads you back to the same place that the incorrect clue gives you. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only knoll. And, like, and literally to the point where this is what I did. I went home and I actually looked up the word knoll. Because I'm like... Have I been thinking that Noel meant a hill or something like mm-hmm. that? Like my entire life, have I have I had the definition of this word wrong? Because I thought it was me. Come to find out, no, I was right. And this is another clue that I've talked to other people who did this who had the exact same problem. 
the next clue says like find the grassy knoll well there hey. is no grassy knoll where you're supposed to go what's the definition of knoll so as um, i see you have it up a so. <laughs> small hill or a mound okay there isn't one in the direction that you next went devil's advocate a small hill or mound there was one where right well okay the full clue though is find the grassy knoll and look down the alley or something like that right right so I didn't look for the knoll. I looked for the alley because there's only one alley. That's exactly what I did. And too. technically there's a small hill or mound there. Granted, it's not huge, but it's there. And, I, and I'm not saying I, I agree or disagree with you. I'm just saying that technically based on that definition. Where are you talking about in front of the business next door? No, no, no. Like right, um, right in front of the trailers. Cause there's a little, like, there is no hill or mound there. I looked, there is a small, I'm, I'm not, I'm talking like, like someone put dirt in some mound. Like I'm like, I'm saying that technically is a knoll by definition. Even your description of that sounds lame. I'm no, I'm just saying technically by definition, there is a small hill or mound there. I'm not saying it's, correct <laughs> i'm not saying it's incorrect i'm just saying okay. by definition but so what i i kind of did the same thing and i like looked around but the alley was the main part for me right so, i went to the wrong alley first of all Oh, okay yeah yeah because there's also arrows on the we need to we need to clear something up uh because we're going to be referring to this uh when you when you dealt with the uber that you were supposed to find you had to get a form. Oh, yeah. And we should talk about that because... It's before, very cool. Because that experience was so, so cool. Yes. And almost magical. I, I See, here's the thing. I agree with you. Yeah. It was so freaking cool. Yeah, that was... <laughs> incredible yeah i i you know i you 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 describe that because i know you were more fond of this experience than i was once you find the uber they you have to scan a little symbol on it and you have to use a, an app on your phone called zapar and once you scan that a video would play and the video told you to go i think like two trailers over and gave you a number well when you go two trailers over and you realize there's a combination lock uh, with four numbers. So you enter those numbers, you walk in, and then there's four computer screens and they're, they're motion activated. So as soon as you walk in, it starts playing and you hear a voice and it gives you a little backstory about everything and, and where you are and, and what you have to do and you have to prove yourself and this is a test. And it, just the fact that everything came on automatically it was just it's such a cool touch oh it was creepy it was cool it was yeah yeah like, that was that was that was very very well done and it tells you to go in the desk drawer and grab a form form yeah and the form is where all the clues are and you take a pen and that's what you fill out through the duration of this thing now there were issues with that apparently right yeah, actually, on the day that I went, I got called by... I knew the person who was going, uh, what, what, four time slots after me? And he called me. He couldn't figure out the first clue, like everyone else that day. <laughs> You're still wrong about that. And he said, um, yeah, okay, so I figured out the first clue, and uh, there are no forms. They didn't even maintain their own event, Mike. Yeah, that's not... Like, you need to reset. Yeah, you, need you to have to replenish. 
and there were no forms. And so what he did is he emailed them and they emailed him a form, except, and, and I'm going to jump a little bit ahead just to make this point. At one point, you also have to scan something that is on the form. Right. Well, if they sent him a PDF to his phone because there were no forms in the desk drawer, how does he scan something off of his phone right. to trigger what needs to happen later in the event? Exactly. It doesn't work. He'd have to print it out, which he, they didn't, never told him that so, he needed to do that. Do you know what he ended up doing? No. In the middle of it, when he finally got to that point, he drove all the way back to the first point where by that time... Apparently, there was forms available. Oh, wow. How freaking inconvenient and obnoxious is that? The fact that you, you have... And, and look, you know, kudos to my buddy for being willing to do that. But he shouldn't have needed to do that. Mm. No, like, I that agree. was so uncool. When he, when he messaged me that, I was like... Because at that point, I was so frustrated with the event because of other things that we're going to talk about. Like I, I, I was, I, I said, I cannot believe, actually I was walking up to you when I got that message and I just looked at you and went, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> totally bogus. The fact that they literally didn't have enough forms and they ran out of forms. And even if they did have enough forms and like maybe somebody took two in case they were afraid of messing up their form or something, there should have been plenty. Right. That's basic, basic Especially on stuff. a weekend. Oh Yeah. That's basic stuff. Anyway, well, moving on. It, well, it's funny that you say that because how he had to come back because I had to come back because we always joke about how I don't read emails thoroughly. Yes. Well, or one of the clues on there was return key to, and there wasn't any um, punctuation, um, but it said return key to, and then it had an address and the address was where you were supposed to go to, for the next part. And that actually got changed probably because of me. So they, <laughs> they added a period. Um, so there was one point you got a key from a toilet and went to, went into a van, uh, an unknown was in the van, but it was more, there were more clues in there. And that's where you find out where you need to go. And I took the key to the van with me to that next place. And that next place was a coffee shop. So uh, and the clue was, we see you, you don't see us, or you might not see us, or, you know, something like that. But, the, the clue was, see me, I see you. Right. So I also went on a Saturday morning. So I'm in this coffee shop with my key, going up to random strangers and saying, am I supposed to give you a key? Because of the phrase, see me, right? Right. Yeah. And I asked the, um, like the people working and... Though I think it was the manager. She seemed to know something. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't know. But she gave me a key to the bathroom. So I was like, oh, cool. Something's in the bathroom. And <laughs> there's nothing in the bathroom. Um, but finally, I, I understood. And I found what I needed to find. And realized, like, oh, wait a minute. Return key is one sentence. Go to or like on my form it says return key return the key and then the next word the next line is drive yeah okay so it the same the same was the same clue was here but with like i said with no punctuation so i took it as return key to the person drive that to. says see me 
Yeah. See, oh, it's funny because now I understand why you did that. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I'm understanding why because of the punctuation and because of the quote, see me. But I did the same thing in the coffee shop. It says, see me, I see you. I'm approaching random strangers in a coffee shop. Yeah. When actually what you're supposed to find is you're supposed to find something sitting on a shelf. Right. Again, I think that's a bit of a really questionable clue. I heard from a lot of people that those weren't always there. Oh, really? I had not heard that. Yeah, because I guess people in the shop were cleaning and would take them away thinking they were just like advertisements or whatever. Wow. Yeah. Man, the people behind this did not clean up after themselves. Yeah. So Um, going back for a second, I really want to hit something about that first section. The whole thing, like (laughs) the, like you, you have to find something which shows you a picture and tells you to cross the street again. And you're finding something. And the fact that they literally had part of this puzzle in a porta potty (laughs) and a, in a portable toilet, I thought was hysterical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was so much fun, like, finding the lock for this, getting the combination to unlock. And you go in, and there's this note that has been left for you in the porta potty. <laughs> and you have to do stuff. And, like, literally, Mike was Mike made reference to this earlier. They, there's a glove that, you know, like, is on the floor, and you have to dig into the 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 toilet to get a key and don't worry, it wasn't that gross. So you want to hear what a friend of mine did? Yep. Apparently, I don't know why, he didn't notice that there was a glove there. <laughs> I didn't have a glove. You didn't have a glove? No. This was that first weekend. So oh, wow. They probably learned, like, yeah. oh, people don't want to stick their hand into a toilet. Right. I've so done that before. Great horror camp out. Great... <laughs> oh, the toilets my hand have yeah. seen. <laughs> Escape rooms. <laughs> yep. So, um, but that, and then that led you to a van and you had to find stuff in the van, you know, that all of that stuff, Mike really worked for me. Mm -hmm. I had, I was having such fun at that point after the frustration of the, the opening couple of clues, which really pissed me off. And it was like, oh, okay. I got my groove. Like I'm, I'm like, this is, this is getting fun. Uh, and then after the coffee shop, which I did the same thing. I approached people, you know, uh, uh, there was one guy in particular who thought I was very, very odd, uh, because just I just kept... one <laughs> <laughs> main one, main one. So, cause I kept moving closer to him cause he was acting very suspicious on his phone. Like he was hiding the screen. Oh, so, and he was texting, but he was sitting at a, at the, at this coffee shop is a big, uh, sort of open counter in the middle that people can stand or sit near. And he was sitting on one end of it. And I was like, okay, he's sitting at the end of a counter, hiding his screen and texting. That means he might be reporting that somebody has progressed to this point. Right. Is the way I interpreted that. So I literally, I sit down on like three stools away from him. And then I moved one stool closer. (laughs) And then that was when he kind of noticed me and made eye contact. And then I moved one stool closer. I know this is sounding really horrible right now. (laughs) So, and then they called his name and he got up and he took his coffee order and he left. Yeah. So when I was in the coffee shop and I was asking people, people started getting annoyed because they saw me go from person to person. And at one point I went to this group of people and I was like, am I supposed to give you a key or something? And they're like, where is doing church group and i was like 
Okay. I mean, if you're church people, you're kind of rude, but you know, whatever. <laughs> and it was like, oh, sorry, you know, but right. it was just, just funny the the everything that happened. Right. Okay. And so the the clue, I know people that unlocked a video, and I know some people had problems with the video glitching. Did you? No, not at all. Uh, mine glitched a little bit, but we have a friend, uh, I believe, wasn't it Brian, who said that his glitched so badly that it kept glitching on the same... Well, the video actually revealed the parking lot where you were at and pointed you toward a very specific place in the parking lot where you would go and presumably find something. So his video glitched so badly, and it kept glitching in the same place that he thought it was deliberate and was leading him to a car. He went to that car and started checking the car out. Oh apparently. no! So this is this this is partially my problem with this event, Mike. Is I hear I've heard from so many people of weird moments like that where the clues were not clear enough, and it led people to do things. And we're about to get into what I did at the next stop, which was pretty questionable. Right. Uh, and, and that's when I called you finally was mm-hmm. because like, uh, you know, I had gotten a couple of clues from someone else. I was, I was, I was doing okay. I was, you were going to have the cops called on you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, which by the way, we should mention in that first parking lot with the, the, the porta potty in the van, uh, the following weekend, people were being harassed because people thought they were geocaching on private property. Yeah. So, like, the patrons were being threatened with cops being called on Mm -hmm. them. And apparently they reported it to Black Matter Foundation. But, again, like, that's one of those things, like, uh, that could have been handled better. Yeah. Somehow. And I I, really, it made me sad when I heard that because that's such a fun part of this. That it really made me sad that that they were having that issue and that people were harassing them. You know. um... Well, even myself, when I was there, when I went back to drop the key off. Mm-hmm. After I took it accidentally, uh, there was, uh, it looks like there was someone working there, like a gardener or something. Oh, wow. And he was like, oh, are you friends with, like, I forget the, like, John or, you know, whatever right. the guy's name was. And he's like, I'm like, oh, no. And he's like, oh, well, why are you in front of his building? And I was like, well, oh, you mean the porta potty? He's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's his. And it's like, oh, it's part of a scavenger hunt and we're trying to find clues. And he's like, so you don't know him? And I was like, no, but, you know, like there, there was a key in there that led to this van. I was trying to explain it and he was getting more and more irritated because I didn't know the guy he knew. Oh, wow. Like, so it was kind of like, I'm like, yeah, sorry. Okay. I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. This goes into this thing of, of, um, uh, we've never really, I don't think it gone in depth on this in the podcast, but I, I have had this conversation with haunt people of putting stuff in real life areas where you can't control the environment enough. Right. And it's a little bit questionable. I think what they did for Black Matter Foundation was okay. It just so happened that you had some bystanders wanting to insert themselves into the adventure, I think. Yeah. So that that's unfortunate. I'm sorry you had that experience. Oh, it's fine. Because it just, it just adds annoyance to it. So, um, so, I, so like I said, our friend Brian, I think, was, you know, casing out cars in the parking lot incorrectly. Eventually, you got to the right place in the parking lot. You got a flashlight. There was an indication, a clue on the form of a battery. So some people missed this clue, apparently, and didn't understand because they went looking for a battery. Right. Which is completely 100% logical. Yeah. So... I I did the same thing. 
Oh, you did? Yeah. Where did you go looking for a battery? Just around the the um, the, the pole. Oh, okay. Because it's like, okay, if the flashlight is here and it's saying it needs a battery, it's probably going to be around here. Wow, this is one chance where I actually interpreted it correctly. I opened the flashlight to see if it had a battery in it. Because <laughs> I expected something to be written on the battery or something like that. Right. And actually, there was a clue folded up inside the flashlight, mm-hmm. uh, which led you to actually a metro station, which was very, very close. Yeah. So I didn't know that. I had to stop and ask directions. So, um, But uh, when you get to the metro station, this is where, Mike, things really went south for me. Yeah. And I am not the only person who had issues in this area. And this is the moment where I got furious because I think the clue is absolutely irresponsible. Mm -hmm. And the reason is this. You You figure out something on a sign at the metro station and it gives you a word, which you think, right, you're going to use that word, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and then it leads you to a location. So, and did you have any problem finding it? Not at all. Yeah, neither did I. Um, However, the clue then states that there's a white box, right? Yeah. And it says that you're supposed to go behind the white box. Okay, so I did that. And there's, there's a pole behind the white box, and there is a hill which leads up to the metro stop. Would you call it a knoll? (laughs) <laughs> it could be a large knoll. <laughs> it was a very large knoll. And I'm behind the white box looking for something. Because obviously I was told to go there. This clue actually says behind the white box. That's the clue. Mm-hmm. And there's some, I don't know, arrow looking hash marks above and below that clue so i don't that if it's so that, if that was supposed to be helpful it wasn't so i went behind the white box and the hill leads up to the metro station i'm looking around there's nothing there is absolutely there is a there's a like a it's not a manhole cover but it's like it covers an electrical box or something i tried lifting that it was basically cemented shut <laughs> so i'm standing there and there is nothing okay except one thing in front of the white box by a couple of feet and off to the side, there's a green electrical box. It was pale green. There's a lock attached to it, but it doesn't look like it's locking anything. It's just attached to the box. I was like, okay, that's weird. So I go over and I use the code that I have. I enter it into the lock. It doesn't open. So I went to myself Of course it doesn't open because what I need is behind the white box. Mm. And now I'm standing in front of the white box trying to unlock a lock. Okay, so obviously I'm in the wrong place. I go behind the white box. I climb the hill to the metro station and I am looking at the building across. There was some apartment complex across the, the, the tracks for the metro link. I'm looking at all the windows. I am looking at, you know, somebody had written something on one post there. I was looking at the graffiti. I spent, I don't know, half hour to 40 minutes in this area looking. And at this point, I reached out to, no, you had reached out to me because you were joking that you were surprised I hadn't asked for a clue yet. (laughs) And I just didn't ask you (laughs) because I knew that you would say something uh, smart-alecky to me and say that what I need is right in front of me. That's not like me. So... (laughs) So 
you know, and I say, look, actually, I'm having a problem because I'm behind the white box and there's nothing here. And you said, no, it's right there. You know, like, and so finally, I reach the point of frustration. I'm climbing up and down the hill. It's finally a metro train pulls in, and somebody steps out of the Metrolink train in a uniform with a walkie-talkie, literally looks directly at me, hoists the walkie-talkie, <laughs> because at that point, I'm climbing the hill, behind, hidden behind this electrical building of some kind, climbing up toward the Metrolink station. So he walkie-talkies, and he's obviously reporting me to someone. Right. All right. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm obviously missing something obvious. You know, they, they surely wouldn't have me, you know, like lurking behind this electrical stuff at a Metrolink station. Like, I, I literally was so frustrated and lost, and I kept getting pissed off. I went across, there was a little, uh, like, a, an eating area, like a picnic table across. I went over there, and I spread the form out and I reread the clue. I'm looking, looking at the, cause I'm, I, I literally, I thought like, what would Mike suggest I do? I looked at it from a different angle. I went across the, the, the driveway across the parking lot and I looked at it. I'm walking up and down. I'm looking at everything from a different angle. There is nothing behind the freaking white box. And at that point I was livid because their clues had been so bad up until this point And so frustrating that, I had reached the point where this is now wasting my time. Mm -hmm. So at some point I sent you a picture and I said, I'm looking, I have checked everything. And I, at that point decided screw black matter foundation. I'm out. This is so poorly done. The clues are so bad that this is a waste of my time. I drove an hour to do this. I was furious. Yeah, I remember point. that. And so I quit. And I said, I just texted you like, this is pointless. This is garbage. I'm out. And you said, don't quit. What you need is right in front of you. Which means I, when I had sent you the picture, because I wanted to, the reason I sent you the picture originally, just to clarify that, is I wanted to make sure that I was in the right spot. Right, of course. And you said, yeah, you're in the right spot. And I knew I was in the right spot because I at least got that part of the clue right. Okay, here is my mistake. And I will say, this was a mistake I made, Mike. When I tried the lock, it's a lock where you have to press down two things rather than one to get it to open. Apparently, I didn't press that bottom button firm enough. Oh, okay. So I had the correct answer. I had the clue. I had the right lock. And it didn't open. But because of the clue, the clue states behind the white box. And I'm standing in front of the white box looking at a lock attached to a pale green box. So when I tried the lock and it didn't open, I took that as confirmation that it couldn't be the right thing because their clue told me I was standing in the wrong place. Right. You cannot defend that clue in any way. That clue is completely bogus. It is bullshit. I mean, I can, but I don't want to make you try more it. mad. Go ahead. Try it. I mean... <laughs> I'm pissed off right now. I know. That's why I don't want to because I'm going to do it as a joke, not as like... <laughs> I don't want to make you more mad, though. No, it's like, try to defend the clue. Go ahead. <laughs> you did see the lock when you were behind the white box. Which the only mistake I made 
was that I didn't try the lock multiple times. And it's funny because you've been in a situation with me in an escape room where somebody said, Russell, why do you want somebody else to try the lock? Yeah. Because somebody might have a lighter touch than I do. Somebody, And so I, <laughs> I made a silly mistake in the fact that I didn't try the lock multiple times. Mm-hmm. But that clue is bogus because what you needed is not behind the white box. Right. No, I get it. And I am not the only person who has had a problem with that clue either. We've heard from other people who had a problem with that clue. Yeah. So at that point, I'm pretty much done with Black Matter Foundation. Mm -hmm. But what that does is that leads to a key, correct? Yes. Okay. Round key, you know, small round key. Well, on the form, what's the next thing, Mike? Uh, It's a picture of a bicycle and it says stay hydrated. That's right. So I go to the most logical thing. There's a bike rack right there. And the key is the type of key that fits bike locks. So I go and I try to unlock the bike lock on the one bike that is at that bike rack. See, but the thing is, the key had a keychain that said a location. No, it had two numbers on it. I don't, I don't remember. It had two Um, numbers on it. But when you, you walk past that, that's, you know, because for me, like I walked past that and it was like, oh, this like bike parking or, or whatever. They were like in little enclosures for Yeah, they were little storage units. And so that's immediately that where I went to based on the keychain. Being the fact that there was a picture of a bicycle and there was a bicycle right when you walked up to that area, I went to the bicycle. And that's when I called you and I said, look... Security has already reported me to someone over a walkie-talkie. <laughs> and now, this looks like I'm trying to steal a bike. Am I in the right place? <laughs> and you said no. <laughs> it's like, you're, you're not in the right place. <laughs> to which that, and when you, when you told me that I was in the, in the wrong place, I went back and I did figure out that I was supposed to unlock one of those lockers. And the stay hydrated that Mike just mentioned is there was a water bottle with a clue hidden in it. Um, and from that point, uh, you... So the water bottle contained a phone number Correct. that you called mm-hmm. and then, and there was a woman on the phone and she gave you a bunch of numbers and clues based on what you had on your, your, your card. Uh, on mine, it said C4 and C5. So she would say C4, one, two, three, four, five, six, C5, seven, eight, nine, 10, that kind of thing. Right. Here's the issue. At some point, they changed the card and made a mistake and it said C4 and C4. Right. And those numbers led to... um, They were coordinates. Coordinates, correct. So when you have C4 and C4, you're obviously not getting the correct coordinates because it should be C4 and C5. Mm -hmm. I don't know how or why that got changed, but it was definitely a mistake and led a ton of people not to be able to finish right yeah that was a that was a major mistake uh that happened i think the weekend after i did this i is when i started hearing people having that issue um i had the problem that when i entered and numerous people also had this i entered the coordinates and it sent me to japan (laughs) how did you get there I'm very talented. And I know other people reported the same thing, that they entered the coordinates and it gives you a location in Japan. Mm-hmm. 
So I that was when because I I have no reason to ever enter coordinates. Right. It, I don't think most people do. I think I've done it once in a scavenger hunt before and uh recently with uh um another event I had to enter a coordinate somewhere. So I'm not familiar with them and and that's and I relied on you and you pointed out like oh wait a second you're missing a dash. Mhm. So, you know, it's like I I kind of can say that it it's I mean, obviously it was confusing enough that multiple people had an issue with it because I'm not the only one who made the joke about being sent to Japan. Right. So, uh, once you told me like the dash, I was like, "Okay, wait a minute, where did I?" And then you told me where the dash would have been seen. Like luckily I was taking pictures on my phone. So I was able to pull up the picture and see the mistake that I made. Mm-hmm. And there was a dash, but I like I could see where that literally could have if I hadn't had you to to steer me of like oh you're missing a dash I would have been out at that point right so again it's a completely odd misleading clue and when when I learned later that they had changed the form with inaccurate information that was really screwing people over like that was so frustrating to hear that you know my friends were having that issue so you went to the coordinates and uh, at that point, that this is actually, I think, the final thing, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you were told to scan something off of the form, point it towards something at the location, and it unlocked a video. And the video was basically, congratulations that you have finished the scavenger hunt. Mm-hmm. So the weird thing about this event is it was so uncontrolled and so not maintained during the run of it. The you know we told the story already of of my buddy Andy not being not they're not being forms. Uh, another friend of ours, <laughs> he you're supposed to scan something for that final step. It wasn't working, so what he did is he emailed them and said, "Hey, I've been trying multiple times. This is not working." Their response to him was, "What kind of phone do you have?" And when he told them the phone that he was using, like, "Oh yeah, it doesn't work on those phones." What? Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah, I I don't think it was a specific on that phone. It was so like, yeah, sometimes people have problems on that phone uh, was okay. the response. So I think some people got it to work, some people didn't. But still, that's really iffy. So I asked him, I said, what did you do? And he said, I didn't finish. He was at the final step. He was done. There was another participant who went online and was messaging people. And I got one of those messages. So she said, everything's missing. So the people before her in the time slot were doing what you did. Right. They were taking every key with them. Oh, but also I want to say that I did, once I realized what I had done, I checked the ticket site and made sure there was nobody after me. Just FYI. I, that's how I'm clearing my name. Well, that, <laughs> that's because you're cool and you're considerate. <laughs> well, Sometimes. I like to think so. <laughs> but this woman was running into the thing like every, like... I'm supposed to find a key and there is no key here. Right. And I'd never heard how they reset that. So I'm sure it messed up people behind her. Oh, of course. So like, so somebody was taking the stuff that they should have left and not resetting. And, and I will say this about black matter foundation. I think they were very clear, maybe not to you. And you said that they changed the punctuation on the later form of like, reset this. Mm -hmm. This was not maintained as it was running. It was like, here, everything's going to be fine. We're going to leave it and just monitor email or something. The people behind this were so irresponsible. Now, the problem with this 
is the website is so cool. Mm-hmm. The website has references to, as far as we can figure out, uh, like Stranger Things, mm-hmm. Half Life, War so, Games. Yeah, and no one knows what this is leading to or what it was supposed to lead to. So that's why we were all excited because we found all those references. Like. Even I was excited, and I don't like scavenger hunts in general. <laughs> I've had some really bad scavenger hunt experiences in my life. So, but like after that first 45 minutes to an hour, Mike, I was like, okay, fine. I got my groove. I'm okay. Like this is starting to be fun. And then it just derailed. And then it, I heard wait, the people. Was, was that pun intended since it oh, happened at the train? Metrolink train <laughs> derailed. <laughs> nice one. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for catching that. Um, it was so sad to hear that people, uh, and look, I'm frustrated and I'm angry over what I went through because I drove an hour each way to do this. The people who I heard after me like, had even worse experiences than I did. So like, so how do you, where does Black Matter Foundation stand in your opinion? Uh, it's hard to say because they had that code of silence through April 1st. Most of this happened in late February and early March. So the momentum is gone. Like people have moved on to other things. And their website doesn't seem to have been updated on April 1st. Right. That's what I was expecting. I was expecting an announcement. I was expecting a new page of the website to unfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I, I still had a good experience and I liked it. So I would like to see what happens next. But it, I don't know if anything is at this point. Well, here's here's my thing, because you you know me well enough to know where this is coming from. I want to do whatever is next, right? Because I had so much trouble that I want there to be a payoff. Mm-hmm. I want there to be something, and right now there's a lot of ill will toward them. So many people had so many problems that that's what our friends are talking about. Yeah is how, how problematic it was and how poorly run it was. So whatever is next, better pay off. And I will say this, I'm in for whatever is next. I, I want to see where this goes because I think the website is intriguing. But wow, like what a start, man. Yeah. I'm actually glad that you had a good experience. Thanks. I did not. <laughs> so for more information on Black Matter... Uh... <laughs> And we're not sure what more information there will be. We're not sure if they're still doing the scavenger hunt or anything, but uh, their website is blackmatterfoundation.com. So that's everything that we've done lately. And now for some news. Delusion made an announcement that they started recording their VR experience, which I cannot wait. And I hope it's on PSVR. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so that that's... Uh, I, just being able to go through a delusion show in the comfort of your own home is going to be so good. And they're apparently doing my favorite delusion show of all time, which is lies within nice, which is the writer's home that you go into that. Like that was such a wonderful show. Yeah. And next up is the bunker experience. They announced that, to chapter two for their rooms is now open. Uh, the bunker experience is an escape room in Pasadena that we did. And we talked about in episode 22 and had an amazing time. This was underground. At, I think it was an old bank building yeah, in Pasadena. It, right. And had an added thing at the end, which is super <laughs> cool. A little surprise at the end of that escape room. Um, but chapter two 
is open. So this continues the story. So I guess it's after you escape the bunker. That's such a great location. Yeah. I'm excited to check that out. Uh, and also Book of Fee is coming back. Um, we're going to help honor Philip and get these clues and theories and all of that. Um, they've been MIA for a while. I think they've been just building stuff up, but they're back. They've made a couple announcements on Facebook and they recently started a theories group. Um, so that is on Facebook as well. And we'll have the link to that in the show notes. But the Book of Fee, if you remember, is an online and real life treasure hunt, basically. And shout out to Dawson for winning uh, one of the puzzles. There's a couple new shows that got announced. Uh, the first one is from the people behind Creep LA. And you know how much we love Creep. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh. It was amazing the past couple of years. They have a new show called The Willows that is going to happen. Uh, they don't have dates yet. Uh, it's very, very site specific. So it's going to be based on when they get enough to fill uh, a night. Uh, so go to creepla.com and sign up for The Willows. Uh, it, it, it basically asks you to give a number of tickets you would want kind of thing. Uh, no tickets are on sale as of this recording, but check it out. It sounds like it's going to be incredible. Another thing that came on our radar is something called Infinitely Dinner Society. We have no idea what it's about. Uh, they started following a couple of us on Instagram, and they set up a Tumblr that leads to a questionnaire. The description for Infinitely Dinner Society says, Infinitely Dinner Society is now accepting applications. Unique dinner parties and performance art at a private residence in Hollywood. Application is solely for dinner party membership and not for individual dinner tickets. It's kind of odd as right now. They're not being very specific about what exactly this is leading to. Yeah, and they announced something about um, eight is the only cube or the the biggest cube in the Fibonacci sequence, which it's interesting that they're talking about the Fibonacci sequence because that is very heavily in the Book of Fee. Mm -hmm. So I was like, wait a minute, are they behind this? But <laughs> I don't think they are. Um, but go to infinitelydinnersociety.tumblr.com and there'll be a link to sign up for membership. And finally, the last show we want to announce is part of Speakeasy Society's The Johnny Cycle, Johnny Part 3. We're so excited about this. And in the last podcast, we had a amazing interview with the Speakeasy Society about this. And we talk about this and all of their shows. But Russell and I spoke about Johnny, the second part, and had such an amazing time. And this was something that I went twice and didn't get repeated scenes. Russell, you went three times and only got mm -hmm. one. So there's probably going to be multiple tracks with this. You're probably going to want to buy more than one ticket and go at different points to see different parts of the show. But I'm so looking forward to this. Yeah, this is this is one of the highlights of my year that I'm looking forward to. And also, I'm just... Uh, I'm. Uh, a fan of the book. I've always liked that book. I discovered it in college and it had a heavy effect on me then. Um, so it's like, yeah, th this is just tailor made for me. This is, <laughs> this is just so <laughs> right up my alley. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Johnny got his gun is sort of an anti-war uh, novel about a wounded soldier dealing with his injuries and the memories of uh, what he may have lost in the war. And, uh, to see that in an immersive space, it's it's quite moving. Moving. It's quite. It's it's a very very dramatic show to say the least. And I'm hoping that Johnny Part Three uh, continues that tradition. 
Looking forward to it a lot. Yeah, I'm excited. And coming up this weekend is Urban Death at Zombie Joe's. There's The Nest, but unfortunately it's sold out. Um, FON Productions, Tales from Tomorrow. Uh, next week is All of the Above and also the next horror movie night. And you can find all of those dates on the calendar at myhauntlife.com slash calendar. So that does it for this one. Um, like I said, or like Russell said, one of us said at the I beginning, said it, I think. the beginning of the podcast, we're going to split this up into two parts. So uh, for the less experienced part, uh, tune in in a couple days and we'll post that. So thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach Mike at Mike at MyHauntLife.com. You can reach me at Russell at MyHauntLife.com. Please check us out at MyHauntLife.com. Check out the calendar at MyHauntLife.com slash calendar. Also, don't forget that we have Mike. Are there other ways that they could reach us? Yes. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at My Haunt Life, on Instagram and Twitter at My Haunt Life, and also the Haunt Line. That's what I was trying to set you up for. Oh, I know. <laughs> the but Haunt Line. I didn't want to <laughs> skip out on everything else. Okay. Because then, then we might forget. Um, yeah. So the Haunt Line, call us, text us, 515-HAUNT-LA. So I'm Russell. I'm Mike. Thanks for listening. See ya. Take that out. Let's keep it mysterious. Uh, Okay.